John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 705.jb0712, certificate number 46594, The Law of the Tongue. Do you observe the law of the tongue? This, this is what I say to somebody when I walk up to them on the street. I hold up my hand in a secret gesture and I say, do you follow the law of the tongue? Yeah, it's my code, the law of the tongue. What would you say the law of the tongue is? Hmm, the law of the tongue. You know, I have a, <clears throat> I have a, a pretty good relationship with my tongue. Like it's, it's a, it's a, I have a condition on my tongue. You have a weird tongue. And uh, so I, I, growing up, I thought about it a lot. Thought about, thought about my tongue maybe more than other people did. Tongue, it was, tongue mindfulness. I did have tongue awareness because it, it was um, sensitive, but I, but, I, uh, but I like having a tongue and I, you know, I use it a lot every can't, day. I can't really imagine not having one. Like if you're one of those people, there are people that don't have them. People that are members of the Ellen James Society don't have them. Well, people who are, you know, maybe captured by uh, some kind of tongue stealing pirates. Yeah. Some kind of pirate, some kind of Corsair or, uh, or a shadowy secret society out, out in the steppes or the forest somewhere. I'll they'll, cut, they'll, out, they'll your cut tongue. out your tongue. Yeah. That was a, that was a, that was a threat that seemed to appear in movies a lot more when we were kids than it does recently. Seems like it would really suck to lose your tongue. Uh, the tongue in this story is not, the tongue in this story weighs tons. Oh, my, my tongue weighs a ton. This is not your tongue. (laughs) Oh, it's a whale tongue. Oh, more whales. I love when we talk about whales. Didn't we just do whaling? I was trying to remember when it was. It's really hard. We were just, we were just saying that, uh, that when you and I remember something, that feels like it must have happened in the last five years. <laughs> it's almost certainly f- at least 15 years old. This was you learning just a, just moments ago that Serena Williams is a better tennis player than Venus Williams. Well, I was like, you're so, a little late. But. So the, the, the Venus uh, or the Williams sisters, like they, they're kind of new on the tennis scene. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're the hot new thing. <laughs> they're the hottest new players of 1994. Um, we take requests now from 
listeners who have supported the show. We have for a while, and and I think we've we've felt like recently we've done a lot of request shows because we had a lot of new donors. We had a surge, and uh, and now they're all coming. What what would you say? They're all ripening their their uh, their status as as longtime givers. They're coming due. They're coming due. They uh, and uh, and people have great show suggestions. In this case, Matt sent over a list of suggestions that, um, without saying oh, "I'm Australian," really said, oh, "I'm Australian." Uh, Matt is hoping we'll do a show about bungee jumping. Uh-huh. Matt Very is Australian. hoping we'll do a show about um, where Skylab crashed. Oh, spoilers, Australia! <laughs> <laughs> I remember the day. That is a good story. That we were I, so excited about. It was coming down. That's been on my list for a while, and that will 100% be in the show. But he uh, mentioned something I did could not recognize as Australian or otherwise. He want, he asked if we would do a show on the law of the tongue. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. Usually it's a PG show. It does seem kind of Australian, though. I mean, you could, yeah, what would that be in Australia? You, the you law know, of the tongue. You walk up to somebody and you take a big bite of, of Vegemite and you just lick them across the face. I could see there being some kind of Australian rules wrestling where you have to, like, hold on to your opponent's tongue and the two of you, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like the scene in Michael Jackson's beat it where the, the two gang leaders have their wrists tied together in a knife fight, except you have to hold on to your opponent's tongue. Except your and tongues it, are tied together. Well, and you also have a knife. So it's like, it's like you either kill your opponent or the first person to let go of the other one's tongue loses. You've played knifey tonguey <laughs> before. <laughs> I think, it, I think it would just be like a social thing. Like every morning, uh, we don't know this uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, but Australians just show up at work and they just lick their boss across oh. the face. And the boss says, Licks him back. Yeah, you had steak again last <laughs> night, didn't you, Kyle? And uh. gives him a big lick across the jowls. I'm glad we're getting your Australian accent, which we hardly ever get. It's not good and I've never tried it before. I like it though. You're throwing it out and you're you're just throwing caution to the wind. Well, I got the booster shot and that makes your accents yeah. better. Um. But uh, when I looked up the law of the tongue, it's a fascinating uh, story that really only came out in the 1990s, even though it's set largely in the 19th century. Is it a global law or is it a law restricted to the Anzac? It's not just, it's not just that it's restricted to the, the uh, Anzacian mm-hmm. portions of the globe. It's restricted to the tiny port of Eden, Australia hmm. in New South Wales. Hmm. Ambitious name. Uh, yeah, they they've got their well, they've got their own law there. I mean, Australia is a frontier country. Sure, it is very frontier. If there's places in South Dakota or Arizona that had their own law, surely a little tiny Australian 19th century harbor would be able to create its own lingual laws. Absolutely. Well, it's the it's a it's a new Eden. <laughs> so so from 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 Eden, Australia may it may be the new law of of humankind, right? That. That's what came yeah, from Yeah, maybe Eden. we will all descend from... Maybe we get to eat apples now. This is going to be a Twilight Zone where all of our future listeners are descended from a proto-Adam and a proto-Eve in, in Eden, Australia. Uh, the, the fact that it's called Eden actually leads to uh, documentarians loving this place because they can call their, their National Geographic movie Killers in Eden oh, or, or sure. something like that. Is it named after a... a, a is Eden named after a British prime minister <laughs> instead of uh, like Eden, the garden No, of? it predates the prime minister. So it must've just been so nice yeah. or so awful that you had to really attract people there. Oh, sure. It's the old Greenland, Iceland. But Australia, Australia, that's not a, usually a problem because the early white people in Australia had to be there by force of penal <laughs> law. I mean, you didn't really <laughs> have to show them a nice subdivision. They, they kind of had to stay. Yeah. Right. right. Um, 
But uh, Eden, just so you can picture it, if Australia were to have a southeastern corner, and I strongly believe that it does not. Australia is not a Minecraft world with corners. A, s- a southeastern corner, right? Okay, I'm, I can picture it. Um, but there is kind of a headland. Tasmania down there's kind there. Of a, yeah, like, but northeast of, of Tasmania. So it's, it's kind of on the... It's what would be the southeastern cor- corner if Australia were a big rectangle. Because there is kind of a, a headland that sticks out. A dewlap. I don't know if it's a dewlap. Is that a term geographers use? <laughs> Let's see. Let me just uh, let me just picture uh, Australia here by looking at it. You're not you're not looking at anything. You're just kind of looking into the air and saying, "Let me picture Australia." Right. So it's not a dewlap. It's more of a promontory. Well, or you? Yeah, you might all. It has quite a bit of weight, so you might all. You might even call it like an abdomen. Right. It's, it's, why? Why do you insist on on personifying, anatomizing? Uh, Eastern Australia. It's like Australia's udder, right? It's the if Australia were the 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 uh, the torso of a beef. And I again, we strongly <laughs> suggest to the future that it is not. It's like it's uh, it's it's hanging down part. It gets so it gets a little skinny down there in New New South Wales. It yeah. does make a little udder, but the the uh, southeastern part of the udder like has a pokey part, kind of. And oh, sure, the pokey part. And as a result. Uh, whales migrating north from the Antarctic. As no, they, we're not talking about New South they Wales, do, yeah. or are we? <laughs> we're going to put the whales back in New... So these were even further South Wales, because they were coming from the polar regions. Okay. Um, but they come north uh, during the during the, the the season of the year when it gets too cold down there. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever one that is. For us, that would be the, summer. It's their summer. It's, it's no, their it's, winter. It's their winter, our summer. Uh, and as a result of, you know, this pokey out part of New South Wales, whales pass New South Wales, uh, almost always within sight of Eden, Australia. These this are, is south of Sydney. Yes. And it's east of Melbourne. Yes. And make sure you say Melbourne. Melbourne. So we don't get letters from people, uh, saying we're uh, doing cultural appropriation by adding RR. Oh, no, wait. We're doing appropriation by saying it their way. We're doing imperialism by adding our letter R. Hmm, boy, I can't keep them straight sometimes. So either way. I like to do we're both. In trouble. I, like to, I like to put them together, and it's just like two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> These are massive baleen whales coming up from the Antarctic. Big. Uh, Not those toothed whales that we have up here in, no. in America. Uh, Although they have those. Yeah. They have those down there, too, in yeah. fact. Um, they have uh, orca, or as... I noticed that around here we don't say killer whales much, and is that part of our uh, our coastal left coast sensitivity that we don't want to we want to rehabilitate the killer whale? I think that orca we're so proud of our orca. We name them. We we give their pods letters, and yeah. then we give the individual orca names, and they will. Uh, people from the northwest or from the future don't know, but they appear in the paper. If if Granny <laughs> if, if Granny Matilda is ailing, that could be above the fold in the Seattle Times. I have a, I have a friend who is um, uh, an orca. No, well, I do. Uh, you know, orca is like the when we were kids, they were called killer whales, and yes. orca is the kind of the new. It's it's our version of of uh, it was it used to be Mount McKinley, now it's Mount Denali. Oh, the woke mob it's won't a, let you say killer whales. But no, but John. I but I love I love the I love both ways of describing them. But I have a friend that's really into sharks. And she is so... Is she four? She's pro-shark, and she's so no, down no, I mean, is, on... Is she four years old? That's when shark love usually peaks. No, but at some level, like her fandom of, 
shark. It did, it did coalesce from when she was four. At a young age. But uh, she's really down on on killer whales. And I'm like, how do you not like it? And she's like, oh, they're jerks. She has some ecological. Uh, no, she just beef. thinks personality wise, they're jerks. And and I feel like that's a weird take. Yeah, right? sharks are the. Well, no, she she would argue all day that sharks are great and they're kind and they're they're not attackers. They have a bad rep. They've I mean, been, that's true. They've been slurred, whereas whereas orca are you know bullies and does she think it's some kind of mammalian chauvinism yeah she does she absolutely does and she feels like all you orca lovers with your you know your coffee mugs and your and your pod names all crowding to the edge of the ferry boat to watch them go by it is fun when they stop the ferry it's because because by law they cannot approach an orca pod so if there's if there's a local orca chilling, the ferry just has to kind of stop and wait for it to leave. Yeah, but there's always some Bainbridge Island trial lawyer sitting in his BMW just pissed off. Honking. That, Come on! Uh, get going! I've got uh, a date in court. Uh, uh. The last time I was on the ferry, it was with a friend who has recently come to a new love of the orca because they're one of the few uh, animal societies, uh, including ours, that has found a, um, a respectful and appropriate use for its post- menopausal matriarchs. Oh, what did the orca do? Oh, the, they run the show. Well, yeah. Like, they're not like, like... they do in our culture. They're not like, you can't... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'm talking they, about my own family. Ran, <laughs> and, and the California congressional delegation yeah, for yeah. a senatorial delegation for many years. But, um, but in general, uh, you know, in the animal world is not kind to females that cannot produce offspring anymore because evolutionarily... You know, they're a dead end. You need an advanced species, more advanced than ours, to be like, hey, these wise women have much to teach us. Uh, let's, uh, let's, much to teach us. Let's, you know, they have years of, of child rearing and, and herd or pack protecting. Let's, let's listen to I, their I, wisdom. I, be- I believe in our current human culture, we, are, we have decided that listening to older people is no longer a winning strategy. Of any kind, no matter no matter their gender. It was once once the Simpsons told us that it was nothing. Nothing they said would be interesting. Yeah, we we fell for that. Yeah, don't trust anyone over thirty five. Seems to be the <laughs> new motto. Uh, so I, I was on the ferry with this friend who is just reading up on the these um, amazing uh, orca matriarchs, and the ferry had to stop for orca, and How it was exciting. it was the happiest I'd ever seen her. She ran up on the deck. You guys, you got to come see. These are orca. They have much to teach us. Did they come close to the boat? They Did were they were quite close. That's great. Um, and you know, if they approach you, you know, what are you going to do? Which ferry was it? Uh, come ba- on, Bainbridge Island. Okay. Oh, am I supposed to know the name? Yeah. Was it the Walla Walla or the Wenatchee, Ken? <laughs> I don't remember. Apparently, it was Seattle Bainbridge. So my my it was okay. That's that's a good route. It's not the it's not the the biggest route. No, but, you uh, want the thirty seven hour ferry to catch you, Ken? Obviously. <laughs> Apparently, my sister has decided that she's on Tinder now, or what's the what are the dating ones? Tinder's sure like a sex one, right? Well, but, but there's they're all yeah. Are you saying there are dating websites that are not sex websites? I don't. She's know. She's on Christian Mingle, but she's <laughs> she's me a J date. She she met some guy and she was like, "Oh, what's your story?" And he and he said, "Oh, you know, I'm the chief engineer on the Tilikum." Ooh. And the Tilikum is, is that is that a is that a um is this a pickup line? No, the Tilikum. I'm on the t- and I want to date you. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. 
God, why are you the one that makes those jokes? Like I'm the I'm the dirty one. We're gonna have Mark Miles bleep all of that, so nobody's gonna know what I said. Just you uh, being annoyed. Well, I probably shouldn't shouldn't out this guy who's dating my sister, but but uh, but the Tilikum is the oldest ferry in the, the operating ferry in the in the Puget Sound. How old? Uh, t- it goes back to fifty nine. Whoa! And it is the first ferry boat I ever rode when I was four or five days old and the first ferry boat my sister ever rode because in the late 60s, 60s it was on the Edmonds Kingston run. What, what run is it on now? Now it's up in the San Juans. It's, it's old and so they throw it up there. It's up there in Friday Harbor just kind of like, well, we, this boat isn't, a, it, it's not going to sink today. We still need, but it actually does, you know, do it, do six runs to yeah. the triangle a yeah, day. It, it goes from Manacortes to Friday Harbor to, wow. to, uh, what, what, Probably Lopez. Yeah, Lopez. Right. Does that little route. Anyway, they, so it was exciting. It, it was one of those. It was one of those Seattle things where I said, "What boat is he on?" And the answer was exciting. Instead what could be of more like, Seattle than dating a ferry captain? I know. Um, the uh, so what, but you were you were headed to Bainbridge Island for what reason? You going to get tacos in Winslow? Yeah, we were just going to dinner in Winslow. No. Uh, they have some friends over there. I don't know Bainbridge people. I know. Um, oh no! <laughs> it was actually an interesting guy. He's um his book just came out. He's a uh, he's a former like awful finance guy who well, I guess one morning was like, wait, that I'm an awful finance guy, and I already have all this money, and I live on Bainbridge. What a surprise! No, he moved he moved out west from oh. Manhattan and became a uh, an academic. He's now um, researching uh, homeless. You know, homelessness problems and solutions. See, this is why we can't tax the rich, Ken. Because they'll eventually. Yeah, sometimes they move out west and. They'll eventually wake up and look in the mirror uh and think. I'm not going to give my money away, but I am going to. Their head will rise into the bathroom (laughs) mirror and they'll think that morning line of Coke is amazing. Yeah. And I need to quit my job. I need to quit my job. I need to come out to Seattle and help the unhoused. Start going to wear some fuzzy sweaters. Live on an island out of. Away from away from any homeless people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the new research, which is actually like I've seen it in the Economist now, is it really ties homelessness strongly to the law of the tongue. The law of the tongue. <laughs> Local economics and nothing else. Oh, really? Yeah. So if if you're oh, saying it's not a national problem, it is. But I mean, it's, uh, that's a result of rents going up everywhere. And you right. actually, you know, if you look gl- nationwide, the problem is tied to. Times and places where rents spike. Local rents. So it's, you know, instead of framing this as, uh, oh, this is addiction, this is mental illness, this is, uh, you know, a, a generation of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, it's just... It's really just people who... It's who, a real estate problem. Who could, it's a real estate problem. This is people people who could have been on the fringe of of, uh, of urban life and now are just barely not making it. It's why we advocate a housing first model here on the Omnibus program. HF. Pioneered in Salt Lake City. That's true. Yeah, like a lot of um, like a lot of good liberal, like a lot of good New Deal, good governance. <laughs> it was Salt Lake right at the, the the sharp end of the spear. Salt Lake City is always a blue island, and they want to you know like a lot of Austin style blue islands. They want to stick it to the surrounding counties, and in Salt Lake, they do that by electing. You know, aging hippies, uh, uh, nice lesbians, you know, whatever they feel will annoy the rest of the state. Yeah. Um, but it's a very small island. It is. Yeah. It's, uh, you can cross it in, <laughs> you know, the speed limit's 80, so you can cross it in half an hour. <laughs> if you were to open a store, John, what would you sell? Oh, I've thought about this a lot. You know, vintage sweaters, 
um, cheap guitars, you know, like old guitars, but cheap ones. Start making soap. No, I'm not like a, I'm not some artisanal shop guy. I think it would all be found. Just stuff you're trying to empty out of your house. Yeah, recycled garbage. There's that store in, you know, the 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 little seafaring store in Paul's Bow yeah. that sells like old stuff from. Old fishing uh, bobs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, just wrecked sh- ship stuff. I love that store. You just want to sell old diving helmets. I do. I want to find stuff and resell it. When you begin your old diving helmet store, let me recommend to you Shopify. Well, now, how is Shopify going to help me? It's, uh, it gives entrepreneurs the resources that like a big store would have so you could compete with them as a little entrepreneur. Oh, this is helpful because I worry about this. You worry like, about big diving helmet choking well, out your business. It's just like there are so many things that you need to have a cool online business, and I wouldn't know where to start. Shopify does it all. It helps you reach customers online using social media, helps synchronize sales you've done on different venues and platforms. Exactly. It gives you reporting of your profit margins and your conversion rates, and it helps you accept all major payment methods. It's it just, it's all, all the behind the, the scenes, scenes stuff, stuff that has to happen for you. It integrates all dining. the behind. See, stuff. this would be the stuff that was challenging for me, right? All the, like I would get overwhelmed by trying to do all this myself. Let Shopify do it for you. It's hmm. more than a store. It grows with you. And I've got an exciting deal that I want to offer you right now, John. Well, well, what is it, Ken? If you go to shopify.com slash omnibus. Now that's easy to do. Slash omnibus, all lowercase. You're saying shopify.com slash omnibus and omnibus is all lowercase. The letter O, it's lowercase. Oh, I see. So don't capitalize O, even though we normally would. The letter M, equally lowercase. So don't do lowercase O and then capital M, which would be weird. Neither shalt thou capitalize (laughs) the N, the I, or the bus. Uh If you do that, you will get a free 14-day trial, and that'll have full access to the entire suite of features Shopify offers. Two weeks. Two weeks. Shopify powers over 2 million businesses from first sale to full scale. First sale to full scale. That's Shopify. All the way from first sale to full scale, the full spectrum of things that rhyme with whale. So you're saying I could grow my business with Shopify today by going to shopify.com slash all lowercase omnibus, but don't type in all lowercase. Just type in the word omnibus, but do not hit the caps lock or shift key Right. while you do so. Shopify.com slash omnibus right now. Shopify.com slash omnibus. So anyway, Orca from the fair. We lo- I love Orca. Me too. They are the, maybe the things your friend is skeptical of is actually the things that um, uh, distinguishes the species. They are adaptive hunters. They're very intelligent. Have you seen video of Orca hunting a great white a great white shark in uh, off the Great Barrier Reef? I have not seen that. Video. Oh, it's very exciting because you think of the great white as like the the top predator, and there are these videos of of orca like do they have to gang up on it yeah because they're collaborative yeah they yeah they they uh they like team it they're very social animals so i've seen them like you know doing tactics to chase sea lions on shore and then there's a third orca that comes out of nowhere and goes i've told you my orca story up in beluga point in alaska we pulled over to the there's it's called beluga point because there are beluga whales there all the time and we we were driving along and and the sea was just a riot of whales, and so we we you know pulled off and jumped out of the car and ran over, and there were a hundred or more 
beluga whales, and a beluga whale is a large dolphin-looking, it's a big white whale. It's not the big white whale. It's a white-colored porpoise whale. And cute. And really cute-ish. It's got a weird bumpy head. And they're just all, they're, they're in this huge pod. The sea is just boiling. And this is Turnigan Arm, so that it's it's got like a, it's a long tidal inlet. And when the tide comes out, it's actually often exposed. Sand. Uh, mud. Um, and they're, they're all pressed up against the shore. And it was like the craziest thing we'd ever seen. What are they doing? Like they were, it almost seemed like they were, they were going parallel to the shore, but but so close in that it, it felt uh, precarious. Yeah, they'll they'll orca will just jump up on the beach. Well, so and we're watching these, and these are giant whales. I mean, they're as big as this room, you know. But uh, we're watching them, and like, what could the, what could possibly be motivating? How? Why are there a hundred of these all together anyway? But what could possibly be motivating them to act this way? And then we looked out, and you know like a quarter mile offshore, you just saw those big sails of the, of the orca fins, you know, the, and you, the and tower. it was just a, a whole pod of them and they were herding these whales like cowboys. And I'd never seen anything like it. It was, it was, uh, you know, I still get like chills thinking about it because it was like, what am I watching? And why is this not something we, why is this not on the front page of the newspaper is this the only time this has ever happened or is this a thing that happens all the time? And we just, this thing is called Beluga point and it really should be called Orca hunting ground. Point. Eating Beluga point. Yeah. It was, it was astonishing. We didn't see them kill a whale, but. But they did. That's what they killer, were doing. They're killer whales and they'll kill a whale. Yo. They're not whale. They're killer whales and whale killers. Yeah. And uh, shark killers. Uh, they, uh, I wonder if that's a reason for your friend's. I mean, the whole reason for the sharks versus whales thing might be that sharks have a spiky, angry-looking fin. Because mm-hmm. all you can see of them is the, what is that, the dorsal fin? Mm-hmm. Whereas with a whale, you see like a happy, round, kind of curved thing, toot-toot, coming yep. through the water like a smokestack. All the That's all, fun. All the Coast Salish, like, carved artwork and knitted artwork uh, of orcas, it all has that happy... They're cute. Yeah, dorsal fin. They're not like kind of fang-forward. They're the, not fang forward. The way the Jaws paperback cover was. Mm-hmm. They don't have those dead eyes. They have lively eyes. They probably have eyelids. They probably have mm, cheeks. Yeah. They probably laugh and their eyes crinkle up. <laughs> they, um, yeah, what you're describing, orca hurt, you know, orca hunting in pods, big super pods sometimes, herding animals, learning new strategies. Orca can adapt. You know, orca will figure out what hunting techniques worked last time and they'll do it again. They'll assign each other roles. Um, and the ones we have around here just eat fish. You know, the it's the ones up in the sand. The permanent residents of our pods in the San Juans just eat fish. But we have transients that come through here with a taste for seal, mammal flesh. Yeah, they'll yeah. eat sea lions and so our and, so uh, our resident population in Puget Sound that never migrates. They're salmon eaters. You're talking about the people. Uh, this will this is true of both orca and people. They eat nothing but Costco <laughs> farmed salmon. But the ones that come up from California and go to Alaska eat yeah. other bigger yeah. things. Yeah. They they like and it's just you know different populations with different hunting tastes and patterns. Um and these orca that come up from Antarctica following the whale populations do so because they love a deli- they're like your beluga point whales. They, they want a baby whale. They love a delicious hot-blooded snack 
Um, these baleen whales, they're just, just eating plankton, minding their own business. Sure. And they... Placid cows. They can be herded like, like, uh, well, cows or sheep. And in the town of Eden in New South Wales, these, the resident orca actually worked out a novel strategy that I think is unprecedented in the history of cetacean studies. At the mouth of Twofold Bay, which is kind of the inlet there, the harbor, um, the orca would swim into the bay up to where the human settlement was in the 19th century, and they would slap their fins on the water. They would flop their fins on the water. And that would wake up the human residents if it was nighttime. And they would say, oh boy, the killers are home. Uh, and they would all hop out into their whale boats. And the residents of Eden, New South Wales, would head into the water to hunt collaboratively, to hunt baleen whales alongside the orcapods. No. Yes. And the whales are training the humans to do this. Yes. The whales are, I mean, the... The whales are like, hey, there's whales here! Well, the whales have the advantage of living in the water. Right. They're, they're going to see when when passing uh, humpbacks or, or minka whales or whatever are rounding the point. Right. Heading north. Um, and this went on for... The, the story wasn't well known until the 90s when a local documentarian named Greg McKeer, an Australian documentarian, saw... Uh, in the local killer whale museum, because this was kind of an Australian whaling capital in the Eden, Eden, yeah, in the um, you know the heyday and then the waning days of of the world whaling industry. Um, they have a killer whale museum, kind of remembering their heritage, and that's what founded the settlement. And there's a big skeleton of a killer whale there named Old Tom. So the killer whale has a name, and he had a he had a collar that said Old Tom. <laughs> if if found, return. He had distinctive <laughs> markings, as we'll see. Um, but McKee, you know, researching local legends about old Tom found that, yeah, the reason why this town had named all the killer whales is because it knew them as coworkers individually, you know, they would all clock in together. And so he tracked down the four surviving eyewitnesses of this era who were now all 103 year old women and 96 year old men and had them tell the stories. And all of these four survivors agreed on the contours of this early 20th century world inherited from the from the 19th century, where orca hunted alongside men in Twofold Bay. Wow. Um, Have you ever seen a, you know, I went through a phase where I was watching for some reason. Oh, you know what it was? I was living in my old house, the farm, where we used to record. And uh, for what, it's an old house, and I got rats in the attic. And there were always rats in the attic. When I bought the house, there were rats in the attic. And I spent the 12 years that I lived there trying to fight the rats in the attic. Sometimes I would get ahead of the rats. Sometimes they would get ahead. If I, if I ever lapsed, if I ever got lazy, you know. Eternal vigilance. There they were again. That's the watchword. I fought them and I had some great victories. Boy, there were some, there were some days that will live in infamy, but also, you know, I was a sap sometimes. And so at one point I started watching videos of uh, ratters. Like they're, dogs? Yeah. They're, and, and, you know. Don't go looking for these videos if you are sensitive. If you've ever never wanted to see a Yorkie <laughs> eat a rat the same size as it. But there are, uh, you know, this is a very popular sport, I guess, in Scotland uh, because there's, you know. Nothing to do. Think of all the Scottish sports. You can imagine how exciting this one is. The <laughs> other ones are like, throw a tree. Throw a tree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, well, a farmer will go out and with a pitchfork and like turn over some ground and the rats will go everywhere, and then these little Yorkies 
will chase the rats and grab them and shake them as hard as they can and then go and grab another one and shake it as hard as they can. It's really something. We had terriers growing up, and now that's just an evolutionary thing they've been bred to do. They'll, they'll, are, we have a, you know, terrier would always just take its toy and go, rah, 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 yeah, rah. I mean, usually they're just shaking your sock, but. Usually, yeah, it's trying to kill a, a we have a squeaky toy that's a Costco hot dog. <laughs> and they they just murder that thing. But it, but to see them do it to an actual rat is a, it's a, it's a new level of like oh wow you know this is like carnage especially when there's like sixteen dogs and six hundred rats it's really something. But one of the videos I watched was a uh, a team of a uh, a Yorkie and a ferret and the ferret would get would go into buildings and go where the Yorkie couldn't chase the rats out cuz ferrets have no bones they right just, they so they <laughs> and rats are terrified of ferrets i guess for obvious reasons i would be i'm sort of terrified of ferrets well usually a ferret is a a harbinger of a hippie yeah or they used to be it's somebody walking their ferret in, in yeah. portland but uh but watching this video of the two animals working as a team and, you know, you would think that the dog would want to kill the ferret. It looks like a rat, but the dog and the ferret are just touching noses. They love each other. And they can sense a common enemy. Yeah. The ferret is just, it's like when skunks and cats eat out of the same bowl there, they, they saw like a, and, and I, I do feel like humans and orca are like the, are like the dog and ferret of, um, what am I trying to say? Of the of the sea. Humans being, of course, a sea animal. Is the orca the ferret? In this? The orca is the ferret, yes. Oh, the orca is the ferret of the sea. And the human is the dog. Yeah, we've often said that on the show, that the orca <laughs> is the ferret of the sea. <laughs> I mean, as a result of this collaborative relationship, um, you know, Eden had advanced uh, access to all kinds of whaling technologies that would be the env- make them the envy of the world. Like, they could do night whaling. I mean, literally, whales are the whaling technology <laughs> that is the envy yes, of the world. They've got a secret. They've <laughs> recruited some evil whales to their side. Turncoat whales. They've got a spy on the inside. Yeah. They've turned some of the cetaceans. Because killer whales don't identify as whales. Is that true? They don't see themselves as whales. They're, they're like, we're too small and cool. Yeah, they're like, oh, we're, yeah, whales, we're, sure. We're more like these humans. We have... Um, you know, wise matriarchs, communal living, uh, like to eat big, beefy uh, other mammals. Because there's no such thing as like a murder cow, right? A murderous cow. There's a there's clear distinctions on land between prey and predator, and we 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 call killer whales whales. It's a misnomer. They should be. We should we should. Just because they um eat sh- other whales, they should lose their whale. Chip? They're not whales. They're something else. You know. We eat cows. It doesn't mean that we're like toothed cows or something. What am I trying to say? I think they might be more closely related than you and a cow. You think a baleen whale and a killer whale are more closely related than I am to a cow? Yes. Why? Mm, well, now that I say that, maybe not you in particular, but a less I'm, bovine human. Sure, I'm close. I'm, you're, you're more cow-like than most. I'm more cow-like than most. But didn't you sit, whales, you sit and chew slowly? Didn't some ancient ancestor of the whales live on land for a while? Yeah, and got and got fed up. Yeah, but uh, but is that true of a, of baleen whales too? Did yeah. the did the ancient ancestor live on land and then become two different kinds of whales? No, or, I think I think the same guy went back in the water, right? And then you know spawned an infinite population of. When it was on land, was it a cow? 
Did it resemble more closely a cow? It was actually just a whale, but with those two little feet with shoes, like one of those wind-up walking toys. <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm doing with my hand the thing that those things do. All right, go on. So they could whale at night. Um, the the head the head of the whaling colony there the the kind of the head of the whaling industry was fearless George Davidson, and uh, you know when the whales signal when the killer whales signaled that there were baleen whales passing by. He would wake up everybody. They'd all ride their horses down to the beach, get in their whale boats, and head out. I bet they had great mustaches. These and they could, they would they would communication would go both ways. They would they could they would slap on the water with their oars, you know, kind of mimicking a tail flop, and that would call the orca over, and they would kind of work as cattle dogs. Old Tom, the you know yeah. the strongest and sneakiest among them, but or cattle ferret. But they would he would be the the ferret of the sea. He would he, they the the orca would go out and kind of round up. The whales and just basically harass them. Yeah. Tire them out, keep them from surfacing. Yeah. Because then they couldn't breathe. A lot of people don't know this, John, but whales are mammals. Okay. Uh, and, you know, hundreds of people would like line the clifftops in the morning to see what the result of the night's hunt had been. Um, and of, then how did they divvy up the spoils? That, my friend, is the law of the tongue. So, you know, once the, once the whales are tired out, it's very easy for the harpooners to get there into the rowboats and, right. and as they say it, fasten, you know, which means impale this poor baleen whale. Um, and while, you know, while that whole process was going on, the orcas would circle to keep sharks away. Sorry to your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, good. And, uh, you know, there, there are, you know, all kinds of cases of, um, you know, diaries of the time have stories about, um, you know, a man going overboard and the orca pulling it to the surface mm-hmm. or by the same token, an, or- an orca getting tangled in somebody's harpoon line and the men rescuing it. You know, it all seems to be just a great working environment. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there'd be some OSHA problems because people keep falling in, but. Well, but then there was that young orca girl that fell in love with the, the human boy <laughs> and their parents didn't approve. It's the tale of Orkio <laughs> and Wailiet. <laughs> I'm feeling really pleased with myself today, John, because I remembered to cancel a TV channel during the seven-day free trial period. Wow. How did you even manage to do it? You you watched TV for a couple of days, and you were like, this is not for me? I watched the one movie I wanted to see on this channel, and then I had to set a little notify update on my phone to remind me to cancel the damn thing before it became $5.99 a month. I've been paying for an app for a year and I have never used it once. And every week I say, oh, I got to cancel that thing. And I still haven't done it. That's why they want you to sign up for those things. Yeah. Because they think you'll forget to unsubscribe. And even though you don't use the Surface, they'll just keep siphoning money off you for months to come. Yeah, they hope, it, they hope it never goes away, right? You forget about it. We want to recommend to you Truebill. If you were to download Truebill, it would manage all your subscriptions for you. It'll figure out what stuff you're not using but you're still paying for which ones you forgot about. The average Truebill user saves about $720 a year. You know, not everybody is as circumspect as you and I are about subscribing to things, right? People, I think, in the contemporary economy recognize that subscriptions are how you get the things that you want, but they also are susceptible to a lot of things that they don't want to pay for it anymore. And, and companies specifically make it hard to cancel, you know? So you've right. got to know where on the site to do it. Here's all the hoops you have to jump through. Truebill will do that automatically for you. That's why I still get Time Magazine. Peace of mind. They have over 2 million users and have collectively saved them over $100 million. So how do I use Truebill? It's easy, John. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today by going to truebill.com slash omnibus. 
So you're saying if I go to truebill.com slash omnibus, it could save me thousands a year? That's right. Truebill.com slash omnibus. The system that had been worked out is this. After a whale had been uh, killed, they would leave it overnight in the bay for the orca, who would eat their, well, they would eat the lips and the tongue, but leave the skeleton and the blubber, which is what the humans wanted, what would power the whaling industry of Eden, Australia. Um, And every eyewitness agrees uh, that this was the deal, as improbable as this sounds, that the whales would just eat, the, the killer whales would eat their part and leave the blubber, and then the next morning, the men could tow it into port and begin wow. harvesting the whale. And there are period photos showing whales being brought in missing lips and tongue. So there's documentary evidence that the law of the tongue had been agreed upon. Can you live on lips and tongue? So this is the interesting part of the story to me. How do you hammer out this accord with the orca? Because, you know, I, I don't n- normal predators also want the spleen and the liver and the the contents of the stomach? Well, if, nothing, if you just want, if you're living in the, if you're running high-speed chases through very cold water, you'd think what these orca need is caloric intake at all costs. Right. In which case, man, eat the blubber. Right. But maybe the whales are just big enough that a pod can survive just on their favorite delicacies. Maybe they're also eating the calves and that didn't make it mm, into the story, right? Because that could be. Or, and also sea lions and sure. fish and, you know, they've got other, they've got other sources of nutrition out there. But still, this seems like a lot of work on the orca's part for just lips and tongue. Unless that's what they want, man. Like it's the delicacy. Sure. I mean, you, you uh, in Eden, their people use every part of the sure. humpback. Except lips and tongue. <laughs> they can somehow do without the lips and tongue. I wonder if... These are gourmet orca, and, the, and this is like the truffle oil of the orca world? Yeah, but are orca picky eaters? Apparently. I guess the ones up here won't eat sea lion. Right. The um, I also won't eat sea lion. The, the modern scholarly, like an orca, like a resident orca, you will not eat sea lion. No, but I'll eat a Costco salmon all day. The the scholarly consensus today seems to be that this arrangement actually predates white settlement of New South Wales. That the Ewan Aborigines in the area also were whalers. Oh, you know, to not because they needed blubber for lamps. They weren't trading the whale oil, but they were just a big old food thing. Just a big steak. Mm-hmm. They would see a humpback, and it would turn into a steak like in a Looney Tunes cartoon, mm-hmm. and then they, then they would go hunt it. And, you know, they probably did not have even the whale boat or harpooning technologies of these turn of the 20th century colonists. Um, so they would be reliant on orca technology, Day of the Dolphin kind of orca technology. Right. And so old Tom was actually, actually had probably some wisdom handed down from some older Tom. Yeah. And it was older, like work with the folks that live here. And, and here. older Tom had, you know, wisdom handed down from, you know, whatever got hammered out between his ancestors and the original Aboriginal people on the coast. Right. There's stories of the Aborigine, um, you know, whoever the wise man was, you know, some kind of elder or shaman would light a fire on the beach to signal to the whales. And then he would kind of do a ritual drama for the, for the benefit of the orca where he would kind of hobble around pretending to be lame and weak. And that would be the sign of the orcas that, Oh, Hey, the uh, our shore brethren are are hungry. Look how look how much they're struggling. Yeah, it's time for the hunt. They were sky hopping. The whales were. <laughs> what is sky? Hop- spy hopping. 
It's when they it's when they pop their heads up out of the water and 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 look at things on oh, land. Yes, yes. Right. They, they so, were keeping an eye, and apparently they're good enough at human gestures and mannerisms and, and posture to be like, man, this guy could really use a whale steak right now. Let's let's do him a solid. And in the Aboriginal mythology of the area, the whales are actually kind of part of the tribe. Yeah, like they're right. they, they're not livestock at all. They're kind of like brothers. Um, this is like dances with wolves, except in Australia and with whales swims with uh water wolves and so uh, th- apparently these tra- these uh, traditions would have transferred to the early white colonists when the um when the aboriginal people were prized for their harpooning skills you know sure. the, the first white people come they don't know what they're doing they can't they can't kill a whale but they've got people who have been there forever and so Plot point in Moby Dick, all of the That's best right. harpoonists were all from the they're all from Micronesia. They're, yeah, they're all from the Southern Isles. And so the same thing happened here. The uh, the Aboriginal, Aborigine people become harpoonists in the whale boats. And, uh, and that's when the law of the tongue gets passed to the, you know, George Davidson's ancestors, the people of Eden. But, you know, I... I have to think that, you know, how does the deal begin? I, I have to assume that the lips and the tongue are maybe the favorite part. Yeah. Um, of the whales. So the whales are basically just taking what they want. And are they aware that they are leaving something behind for their pod mates? Maybe. I guess that kind of, that kind of collaborative behavior would exist or the pod would not survive if people weren't in the habit of skipping a meal because they thought, they thought their hunting buddy needed one. Right. Well, what's interesting is that as incredible as it sounds, I believe there have, uh, there's, no record of a killer whale in the wild killing a human being. I think that's true. And so that must be true back to ancient times. And the the people in the on the Pacific Northwest Coast and in all these different places who interact who lived on the water and interacted with killer whales all the time must have also known that if you fell in the water, you were safe with them. There must have been this kind of interaction. I mean, that's true of uh, back ten thousand years. I mean, that goes to classical times. There's all these stories among early seafaring people about how the dolphins are our friends. Yeah, you know that somebody falls in and then the dolphins tow him to shore and he becomes prince of the dolphin men. And you know, there's lots of prince maritime of the dolphin men. Yeah, I knew him. <laughs> <laughs> it was the late eighties. A fixture on, fixture on the drag scene. But 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 the, uh, but the maritime tradition of of you know wise and helpful mam- sea mammals, you know, helping a brother out goes back millennia. Sure. And, and if you are, if you're uh, like a, uh, a, f- a fisher people on the water for food, on the water looking for food and you're, and there are orca all around doing the same, you must make common cause with them. If not, if not in practice, at least in, in, um, premise, Right, like you would see them and tip your hat, like "Ahoy, good hunting!" <laughs> and any way that you could, you know, any way, any. It, I'm sure that orca used to herd salmon in such a way that that uh, that the Coast Salish found. You know, it's why they're on all the totem poles. Yeah, right. They're not. Um, they're not an insignificant. Well, uh, I would, feature. I, well, I would put the biggest, coolest animal on the totem pole too, even if it wasn't bringing me any fish. Yeah, but the biggest, coolest animal is probably a brown bear, but you never see any brown bear on totem poles. I don't know. I think an orca might be cooler than a bear. They squirt. Bear don't spray. 
Are if you it, sure about that? Yeah. If, if you're getting sprayed by a bear, it's like probably the last thing you'll smell. <laughs> I mean, that, but that's the thing. An orca is a big, cool mammal that's your friend. Yeah. Where a bear is a big, cool mammal. That killed your uncle. That's not your friend. That's right. <laughs> the law of the tongue. So all these movies, you know, these Dances with Wolves kind of movies always end with betrayal by civilization. Yep. Here it comes. The cavalry rides in and then... It's hard, hard to imagine. A, 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 the Avatar planet gets mined. Hard to imagine that industrialized whaling is the good guy in this story, but <laughs> well, tell me what happens. Well, that's kind of the funny thing about this whole dynamic is it's supposed to be heartwarming that the human and the whales are working together. Oh, yeah. They're to working murder, together to kill other cuter whales. Right. You know? To murder the peaceful whales. Yeah. The, the humpback never did anything to anybody. They just wanted to strain plankton. But it was when the explosive harpoon arrived that people stopped collaborating with whales? It actually seems to be from the black hearts of the Edenites themselves. Oh, There's, dear. Just as in the original Eden, there is trouble in paradise. There's a story from the 1920s about a, a minke whale that's being hunted by a, a pod of orca it, you know, they successfully herded up onto the beach, but in the process, one of the orca also gets stranded. And George Davidson is coming up in hot pursuit in his whale boat. You know, he'll be able to, you know, harvest the beach whale and maybe they can help their, their orca buddy get back in the water. But before he's even on shore, uh, a man, another villager named Harry Sills. Oh boy. Just steps out of the brush. Don't do it, Harry. And just is like, oh boy, an orca. No, 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 don't do it. And kills the orca and takes its teeth. Oh, And so by the time Davidson's boat gets there, he's like, mate, what are you doing? No, mate. You know, for whatever reason, Harry was not part of the whaling culture or didn't share the the kind of village respect, healthy respect for the killer whales. He he just sees the money in the the scrimshaw orca orca tooth. Free teeth. And the orca offshore. And that's offshore. what you'd think. You're an Alaskan. You would mm. see those teeth and be like, oh, baby. No, no, no. I would, I'd run down and help my orca friend back. You'd roll him into the water? So you're saying old Tom and all the rest are offshore sky, sky popping, high spy hopping. As we say. And they're like, what the what? Yeah, and the humans are pissed too. The, um, there's still Aborigines in the region who, you know, again, love and respect the orca. And they are pissed. They threaten, oh, boy. you know, they threaten to attack the village. That you know they're they're threatening Harry's life. The the cops are involved. Oh boy. Um, the whole the whole story ends with the UN people actually leaving the area really? because they feel like the the bonds the law of the tongue has been violated. It's and been the, desecrated. The bond between man and orca will be no more. So did the whalers like row back out and be like, no no no, sorry. I mean, how do you <laughs> apologize to an orca pod? This is a plot point in all these movies where like you know. The, right. the good white guy has to be like, hey, Pocahontas is dead, dad. I'm, I'm super sorry. Like, these guys were not chill at all. Like I said, they were going to be chill. Right. But how do you do that to an orca? You can't speak their pops and squeaks. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the, uh, there's always some, somebody in the, in the U.S. cavalry that shoot, that f- shoots the friend wolf. Right. There's and, one dingus. And it's like, oh, I will fight no more forever except actually sorry. And it would have happened the other way if the orca had just been like, if some orca had gone rogue and been like, that is one cute. Um, a human baby. Cute human baby. I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna take a bite. Uh, I mean, that would have ended stuff on our end too, I think. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, this is already in the 1920s. Um, the whaling industry of Eden is not doing great. Um there's some speculation as to why, you know, it, it may just be that offshore whaling was starting to get technologically good. You know, this becomes the age of more industrialized whaling. 
where, you know, the, the South Pacific whale populations just get hammered. Only 5% of these Antarctic whales survive. These big baleen whales survive. 1% of the blue whales um, that were around at the time survived that, that decade. astonishing? 99% of all blue whales. It's just, you just put enough boats in the right place. And even though the ocean's wide, you can just get almost all of them. It's incredible. It's awful. And as a result of that, there's no food supply for the orca. Um, orca are hungry. On December 17th, 1930, uh, an orca, a, or, a, the carcass of an orca is seen floating into Twofold Bay. And uh, the people are head out in their boats and they're astonished to see it's old Tom himself. Huh. And the accounts of the time say that his stomach is empty. Um, it's possible that like George had been actually hand feeding him and that's why he was, you know, he was heading close to shore because the humans were actually just now hand feeding the orca because there weren't enough whales in the, you know, into heading into the bay anymore. Um, they and were throwing cows out there. That's what they were doing. What do you hand feed an orca? <laughs> I mean, you got, it's gotta be something interesting. Uh, yeah. I wonder if an orca would eat a cow. I'm sure it would. I mean, there's probably not a lot of, in the wild, there's probably not a lot of liminal areas where that can happen. You know. Cow, kind of, cows grazing close enough to deep water. I have a lot of bad stuff to say about the internet. I don't like the internet at all. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a terrible place. It's caustic. But it does exist to ask, would an orca eat a cow? Let's see what the internet says. Hmm, killer whales... The problem you're going to have is that maybe a cow is a name for a female killer whale. Like, don't don't they use cow and calf and bull for for killer whales? Well, yeah, I bet they do. Killer whale facts. Um, Dot com. What is this? Wool. So, killer whales, orcas. Oh, it says walruses are related to dogs. Well, first of all, that's not super. Relevant. <laughs> um. Killer whales have more genes in common with cows than any other species of mammal. Well, there you go. I've been saying this this whole episode, and you've just been rolling your eyes at me. Well, then maybe killer whales won't eat cows. They're, they're like, that'd be like family. Walruses have more in common with dogs and wolves. Manatees, called sea cows, were actually closely related to elephants. That one I can see. So this suggests, as I was suggesting that marine mammals evolved down separate paths. Now, maybe not whales, but... I'm pretty sure all the whales are the same path. You know you're what? You're just talking about manatees you and walrus. You think you're so smart. <laughs> there, is, uh, there is one story that really may explain... You know, it, it may have just been food, declining food supply, dwindling dwindling whale herds mm -hmm. um, passing by. But there is a, a story even more upsetting than the Harry Sill story that was told to the 1990s era documentarian by an old woman named Margaret Brooks, who was, I believe, the daughter. Uh, she was born Margaret Logan. She was the daughter of J.R. Logan, mm -hmm. who, is, who is kind of the evil, um, uh, you know, the guy that wants to dig for gold in the Pocahontas cartoon. Right. Cause he's like a wealthy farmer, you know, he's made his money in agriculture and then he's come to Eden just to retire and nobody's going to tell him what's what he's got a diamond tie tack and he, uh, or whatever the Austrian equivalent of that is. Opal, yeah, an opal. Tie he's tack. got an opal tie tack <laughs> and I'm sure he's just evil. Like the David Ogden Steyer's guy in Pocahontas. 
And and lo- so Logan is out with Davidson and the other whalers in pursuit of a hum- humpback. And after they catch the carcass, um, you know, the other whalers say, wait, okay. Wait, and, they capture the carcass? Well. They have to capture the whale first. After they harpoon the whale and after they bring in the carcass. Yes. They've got it. They, you know, they're towing a, they're towing a big humpback behind their whale boat. Or humpy, as we say here in the Northwest. Is that what we call a humpback yeah. carcass? We, yeah, we call them humpies. When they're dead only? No, no, no. When they're alive. Oh, okay. When they're dead, I think they're, they become a humpback carcass. But when they're alive, they're humpies. Humpies. I humpies. don't think I ever say that. That's an Alaska. Is it? Uh, Turn of phrase. Was the Humpty Dance huge in Alaska? For, well, not for that Humpty, reason? Humpy. Oh, okay. Uh, and the you know the other whalers in the boat assume they're going to leave Humpy out for the for the orca to enjoy their their lip lips, tongue. their tongue. Uh-huh. Maybe that little groove between your nose and your mouth. The lip and tongue does feel like uh, the name of a of a weird pub, right? Like an Australian <laughs> pub with a picture of a killer whale <laughs> with blood coming down its ye old lips and tongue on the teeth on the old wooden sign. Uh, and Logan says, no, I'm not going to do that. Let's just tow it back in. It's getting late. Oh. And the men are all like, but the law of the tongue. And he's like, but the law of the tongue, but the law of the tongue. Wow, you know? this guy's a jerk. He's a d-. And uh, And so he just starts to tow the carcass in. And all the orca are like, wait, what's going on? Yeah, like, law this of the is not, tongue, bro. We got to eat. And so old Tom in particular comes up to the boat and the, the boat won't stop. So he just like grabs the tow rope that they're using, the cable they're using to pull the whale in. And, you know, starts trying to pull the whale away from the, yeah. the cheating humans. Gives our lips and tongue. And in the ensuing struggle over the carcass, uh, old Tom actually lose, according to Margaret Brooks, who was, you know, in her 90s telling the story, actually lost some teeth. Oh. And if you look at the, if, at the skeleton of old Tom in the Eden Killer Whale Museum today, you'll see that it is actually missing teeth in a way that may have been fatal. So maybe it wasn't just dwindling food supply. Like these missing teeth have led to abscesses that go all the way through the jawbone, you know, up into the brain. Oh no. So it's possible that what we have is one bad apple who's like law of the tongue, schma of the tongue, and, you know, leads to the death of beloved local mascot, old Tom, ending the law of the tongue forever. And this darling Disney ready story about the murder of baleen whales. And what is the relationship between uh, current day residents of Eden, and I presume they have a, it's a small town still, but they probably have a waterfront aquarium and they probably have some, uh, they have like a smoothie place and maybe a, a boardwalk where you unicycle. Um, do they have a, a relationship to the local orca pod? No. Um, oh. Well, today Eden is still, you know, the it's one of the few deep water harbors in that part of the world. So it's the leading fishing port in New South Wales, big fishing fleet. And I think cruise ships can even, can even dock there. Um, But sadly the orca are scarce and maybe that's a result of the, you know, legacy of the terrible acts of 1930 or whatever it was guilt over old Tom's death, but it might just be, you know, the increasing spread of Norwegian and other whalers into that part of the world. My question to you, Ken, is do you believe that humans are redeemable? Like, we seem to do this every time. Ruin a good thing. 
And it's always, we always blame it on one cigar chomping somebody. I ordered you not to fire. Who did that? But it seems like it's really just something baked in. If it wasn't that cigar chomping ding dong, it would have been a different one. Otherwise it wouldn't keep happening. Yeah. So is it just that we can't be trusted and that every, that futurelings who are, who are waving their tentacles in agreement right now going, yeah, that's right. Although futurelings who are squid based would also not have a very good relationship with any toothed whale. Well, you know, if we have progressive orca descended listeners, they're probably very aware as are progressives today of the, of the evils and peccadillos of their own species. Maybe they feel guilt over the orca's fault. Think about all of the whales and, All the whales they've killed. It flatters us to think about all the bad people doing the bad people things. But, you know, future orcas will probably be like, well, you know, Mm. people are people, but really our ancestors should have known better. It's the orca crime or the orca crimes we need to atone for. But think about all of the, think about the giant squid that have been eaten by all of the Moby Dicks. Like it's really, if the squid are the, are our future. The squid win. Yeah, right. If the squid win, they are not going to like this kind of orca, no, orca, squid, orca hagiography we're doing. The squid overlords are going to have a, have something to say about all these whales. As recently as 2010, the people of Eden did observe three killer whale pods in the region. Uh, three whole pods. Who are not usually there. They must have been passing through or outside their usual hunting grounds. But it did make the papers because late 2010 would make it exactly the 80th anniversary of old Tom's death. Oh, which at least opens the possibility that Orca not only do remember old Tom, but also, um, have a base 10 calendar system. (laughs) And they're here to, for like a rapprochement. Maybe, or maybe they, maybe they, um, maybe they're tourists. What's interesting here in the Northwest is that what surely was a human Orca, like, like collaborative ecosystem prior to the 19th century or prior to the, the middle half of the 19th century, you know, it's completely gone. The, the, um, the white settlers that came here weren't really whalers. We were busy coal mining and chopping down the forests. And so we turned our back on the, on the orca and they were like, say what? And we, you know, we eliminated the, the, the tribes, ecosystem. And so the orca around here may have been trying to communicate with us all this time. They might be like, what about the good old days when we used to fish side by side? Stop, building, stop building these dams. Yeah. What, what, what about the, you're killing the salmon before we even get to them. And, uh, and then with the ferry boats and all these tourist ferries where you're out, like, you know, you're happy to yeah. see us, but like we have work to do here. And they know we like salmon too. They're probably mystified. Yeah. They're like, look, the one thing we had in common was we were both super into salmon. You love salmon. We love salmon. Why are you doing such a bad job? You're not only killing the salmon by putting dams in the rivers, but you're also not even down here with us, like doing your half of the job, which was whacking your paddles on the side of your dugout canoe. It's like when you're assigned like a group project in school and yet, you know, one person's going to get the same grade as you, but like, what's he doing? He's sabotaging the whole project. The worker are like, I can't believe I have to do all this by myself and this is due tomorrow, you idiots. There was some matriarch in one of these local pods who died in the last 40 years who was the last one who had a story about 
back when we used to collaborate with the humans and all was right with the world. And so her granddaughter is out there right now somewhere in Puget Sound kind of telling some... I hope st- she told the story. <laughs> telling some story. Humans didn't the, always suck. Yeah, where the young orc are like, what? That's humans, pretty... Humans aren't redeemable, Grandma. That's not very likely. And that concludes The Law of the Tongue. Entry 705.jb0712. Certificate number 46594 in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era and that it accommodates all species, which seems very unlikely, most species would be wise enough not to well, develop does, social media. How does the internet even work underwater? It's it all, is it all transmitted by whale song or squid clicking? I mean, what is the internet? Like, if, if you if you want to know if a, if a killer whale can ever eat a cow and you're underwater, what do you do? I, <laughs> I do believe that the internet is probably going to be regarded as a form of song uh, by, I mean, it's it, it, it's the only kind of analog that works. Like, what were... But what an were, insane song. Yeah, what were you guys doing? Oh, we were singing to each other. But it was like there was no tune and no one was listening to any of the other singers. So it, was it was like 260 BPM. It yeah. was just insane. It, was like a it made billion, everyone crazy. A billion screamers, you know, all crying out at once and then hopefully being silenced, inshallah. Uh, but yeah, it's a song, right? And so it would condensed, be communicable across the oceans. The future internet will will return to its natural state which is whale song and the and every once in a while a piercing cry of a sea eagle it is kind of interesting how how the early sounds of the internet the modem handshaking how it kind of sounds like a screaming sea eagle or a or a, or a clicking dolphin yeah right we're going to go back to our fax machine roots um anyway yeah so human beings or 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 some you know whatever form of human noid is listening to this show the noid go um avoid yourself go to uh the internet and look for omnibus and futurelings look for ken jennings if you want his uh his pithy, li- pithy light-hearted uh pun-based humor uh look for me if you are really a detective if you're watching the detectives you can email us directly, though, which is probably a better strategy if you want to really communicate with us. If you're going to tweet at Ken, good luck. You'd better be pretty darn funny. You're going to be one clicking dolphin in a vast ocean. <laughs> You'd better have a blue check mark next to your name because Ken only deals with blue check marks. <laughs> uh, but you can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. You can hang out with other futurelings. On the internet by just putting futurelings into the internet and it will deposit into your lap futurelings of all stripes. It will, it it's will like, really, yeah, it it's will, like, a, like a slot machine. It will, boy, this thing's paying off. It will, it will deposit them ka-ching, 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 like ka-ching. so many baleen whales into the harbor of your small whaling town. You can mail us things, and usually at this point, Ken is unwrapping a box, but he's not doing it today so it only means that you have not been mailing us enough things i have a little bit of mail uh but you can mail us things at p.o box 55744 shoreline washington 98155 and you can support the show 
Uh, this today's show was a listener su- uh, listener suggestion. Thanks, Matt. Matt uh, is a supporter at patreon.com slash omnibus project. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long this civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come, but if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.